softly for a second. Okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter 4. I know your bulletin said uh, 1 Corinthians. And guess what? I thought that after Easter we would just go right back to 1 Corinthians. Uh, but after uh, the bulletin was printed, the Lord said, you're not going there. You're going to Ephesians. So here we are, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's stand together and read, beginning in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Verse 11 says, And He gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature of which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, as a result we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Let's pray again. Father, bless your word right now. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, uh, we uh, live in a time unlike any other in history, and of course that makes perfect sense for any time in history, but I want you to contemplate and think about what I mean by that. Uh, we live with so much confusion about spiritual things in today's world. When I was a boy, uh, it was pretty common that most people went to church and most people had a common belief about God and Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit, salvation. But today, uh, you can open your computer, you can turn on your television, you can talk to your neighbor next door, and you can get all kinds of crazy ideas about what it is to be religious, what it is to go to heaven, and how you get there. There's so much confusion about truth and about reality of God, and, and is the Bible adequate anymore? Is the Bible irrelevant today? Is it outdated today? Do we need to make changes? Do we need to have some new teaching? Do we need to have some new revelation of God to show us the way? We have new age groups. We have self-help groups. We have pharmaceutical groups finding God in, the, in pills and, and, and plants. We find religious ritual. We even find superstition everywhere that we look. Even in evangelical churches today, we got brothers looking for light in a dark place. We got people looking for knowledge in philosophy. Amen. We have people looking for wisdom in religious experiences they have going from one place to another. The Bible calls all of these types of people infants. Amen. Infants. 
children. They call them immature. They get too easily tossed to and fro as Paul just wrote to us here. They get blown here and there by every wind of doctrine, every teaching of some new person, new teacher. Believe me, if you're going to be a teacher, you are held to a higher accountability. Beware that you don't try to look for something new to bring to someone. There is nothing new. All that we have has been given to us. There will be no new revelation. I've said this before. I want to say it again. Beware of that. There is nothing new under the sun. There is no new teaching. It is all in Christ. It is all right here in His Word. So with all of this confusion around and all of the controversy about how I get to heaven or how I even live my life today as a Christian, what do I do? And how do I accomplish God's will for my life? How do I react to all of the turmoil around me and the confusion that I find? The Bible has told us here this morning, and you and I read it in verse 15. It says it like this. Here's how you react, Christian. Speak the truth in love. God has given us, besides Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that you and I could hold, and that is truth right here in our hands. I can hold the wisdom, the knowledge, and the truth of God right in my hands in His holy word, in His written word, in the scriptures that each of you have in your lap right here. A great gift that God has given you this truth. All right, let's talk about this book for just a moment. This book, the word of God, the truth of God, is the mind of God. It tells us the state of man. It tells us the way of salvation. It tells us the doom of sinners. It tells us the joy of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. Its decisions are unchangeable. We read it to be wise. We believe it to be safe. And we practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the sailor's anchor, the soldier's sword, the Christian's character. Christ is its grand subject. Our good is its design. God's glory is its end. It should fill your memory. It should rule your heart. It should guide your feet. That's this book that you hold in your hand. Jesus called this His meat and drink. Amen? Jesus said, You will not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Psalm 119 says this. Whoa, I passed it. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. How do I react to a world of confusion around me? I speak truth in love. Now, your search, Christian, for truth is over. As a Christian, you no longer need to search for truth. 
You've got it right in your hand. You've got it in your heart. Truth is a person. Truth is in that person, Jesus. You don't need to keep looking for truth. You've got it already in front of you. What you need to do is start abiding to it. You need to start reading it. You need to start adhering to it. You know, truth casts light on everything you do, everything you say, everything you want to be. Truth is cast upon that. It's fearful to live without the light of truth. I grew up down the road about a half a mile from an old country cemetery. And in the daytime as a boy and me and my brother and our neighbors, uh, two guys on each end of us, we would all play in that cemetery. We would ride our bikes. We would play games. There's a great big giant tree in the middle of it. We'd climb that tree. We had a lot of good times in that cemetery. But when that sun went down, you wasn't going to catch us in that cemetery. Now, what's the difference? There were no ghosts running around. There was no spooks, no thing like that. It was just the idea of being in a place of the dead after dark, right? Nothing to be afraid of there, especially for a Christian. It's silly that a boy would be scared of the dark, and I've told you this before, but what's more tragic is when a man is scared of the light. When you won't come to the light of God, when you won't let him cast truth upon your life, he's doing it, you're reflecting it, you're, you're dodging it, you're trying to get away from it. Today men are living in darkness. They set aside the word of God which is the truth. Jesus claimed to be the truth and Jesus also claimed to be the light of the world. So therefore, truth is not easy. Amen? Truth is not easy. Why do I say that? Because truth causes division. Truth brings controversy. When you speak the truth, that's why Paul added, do it in love, because truth divides. Truth will divide a boy from his father. Truth will divide a wife from her husband. Truth will divide a boyfriend from his girlfriend. Truth is not easy. Truth is difficult to live and to carry out. Truth reveals error. Truth separates people. Truth upsets friendships. Truth will get you crucified. Speak the truth in love in a confused and careless world that you live in. Speak the truth. Amen? Amen. Truth is not found by chanting some words. Truth is not found by looking in crystal balls. Truth is not found by prescriptions. Truth is not found in any other way but in a person, Jesus Christ. You and I, you and I have been called to a balanced faith. You have been called to a considered faith. You have been called to a reasoned faith. We don't go blindly into faith. Amen? Every one of us thought about it before we made that step. Every one of us considered the options before we stepped over the line to Jesus Christ. 
Every one of us has considered, reasoned, and balanced all of that out. So it's not a blind faith that we live. It is an intellectual faith that we come to Christ with. Scripture cries out these words. Know what you believe. Know why you believe it. And then live what you believe. That's the Bible in a nutshell. Speak the truth. Aha, in love. So when you are debating with someone, take Paul's example. Paul never went in bullheaded, pushing his weight around in a synagogue or anywhere else. But when controversy arose in their discussions, Paul took a stand on the truth. He did not swear oaths. He did not call for a holy war to come down and annihilate the enemy. Paul reasoned and Paul spoke truth. He let the scriptures defend the scriptures. I've told you that before. You don't need to defend the Bible. Don't think that you do because you can't. All you need to do is open it up. Defending the Bible is like trying to defend a lion. I've told you that before, right? You don't defend a lion, you just open his cage. He'll defend himself. The Bible will defend itself. It's not your responsibility to know the Scriptures so thoroughly that you can lead somebody to Christ. Do you get that? Did you hear that? You don't need to know the Scriptures so thoroughly that you can lead somebody to Christ. The Holy Spirit will lead them to Christ. The Holy Spirit does the convicting. The Holy Spirit does the judging. The Holy Spirit does the converting. You are simply a tool in the Holy Spirit's arsenal. You are the one to turn the page. You are the one to speak the words. That is speaking truth in love. Let the Bible defend itself. Don't you worry about doing it. Don't abuse the transgressor. Speak to people relationally. If you're speaking to an older man, speak to him as a father. If you're speaking to a young girl, speak to her as a sister. Don't overwhelm. Don't overpower. Don't overinfluence. Don't make them feel guilty or neglected or inferior. Speak to them relationally. Find the area where they are. Find the need that is in their life. Look in verse 29 of our same chapter. Paul writes, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. You don't have to beat somebody on the head with the, with the truth. All you got to do is speak it. How many of you think with me right now, you've been in a conversation with someone who's important in your life, and they say something to you, and it kind of rubs you the wrong way for just a moment, and you kind of separate. And as you separate and you get off by yourself, you begin to think about what they said. And all of a sudden, you feel or understand the truth of what they said to you. And now it begins to hit home. 
Now it begins to affect you. When it's first said and you're face to face, you throw up a wall and you want to defend yourself. But when you get away and you have time to think about what they said, you realize they were right. That's how it is with God and the Scripture and you and someone you're witnessing to. You don't have to uh, win them at that moment. You want them to make a decision. Press them to make a decision. But when they don't, separate. Go away and they'll think. They'll reason and they'll consider and they'll make an intellectual decision to follow Jesus just like you did. Amen? Don't beat them up. Speak to them relationally. Speak the truth in love. That's how we react to a confused world. We all have family members that we got to tippy-toe around. I'm going to tell you today the tippy-toeing needs to be done. Your family needs the Lord. If they died today, where would they go? If they died today, where would they go as you tippy-toe around their feelings? I wrote in the, from your pastor, we've got to get past that offending someone. Amen? We've got to get over that. Amen. They need to be offended. They need to realize their condition. They need to know they're separated from God. They need to know the truth. And you and I hold it in our hands. We need to speak it to them with love. That's how I react in a confused world. The second way I react is in verse 15 as well. That I grow up in Christ. Look at verse 15 again. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul says, move past childhood. Start maturing in your life. Take some responsibility. How many of you have a full-grown son or daughter still living at home with no responsibilities, nothing to do? None of you, right? Why? Because we expect our children to grow up. We expect them to take responsibility. We expect them to become adults. We expect them to mature. God, should He expect any less from His children? No, He should not. He wants us to grow up. So how do we do this? We grow up by trusting in who Jesus is. We believe... I'm getting behind on my screen. We grow up by trusting Him. We believe in all that He's done for us. Amen. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in what He's doing right now for us. He's preparing a place for us. I believe He's supplying all of our needs. I believe He's working everything for good. I believe that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. I believe in His authority. I know that when I fail Him, I can still trust Him. I know that when I get the worst news ever, that I can still trust Jesus. I know that when my heart is broken, I can still trust Jesus. I grow up as a Christian by trusting my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also grow up by loving Him, okay? Christianity is built on the concept of love. 
God is love. Amen. Christ is love. Love motivates us. Love constrains us. Love compels us. If I start taking that love for granted, it will wreck me. You think about it. There's a person in your life that you love more than anyone else, but you've taken him for granted. And you pass by day by day, not expressing that love to each other. And then all of a sudden, you realize something. That person might be taken from you. What do you do? Man, you pour it on, don't you? You pour on the love. You spend extra time. You spend extra effort. You spend extra energy to be with that person. If you don't, they'll be gone. And you'll be a wreck. You take his love for granted, it's the same way. Don't take him for granted. Don't take him second hand. You put your life and pour your life into him. His love is what drives us. I grow by loving him. The last thing I grow by walking with him. Are you abiding in Christ today, right now? Oh yeah, you're here in church, I understand. But are you abiding with him when you walk out of those doors? Are you familiar with him? The Bible says there was a man in Genesis chapter 5 who walked with God. What was his name? Come on. Enoch. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. What does that mean, that he walked with God? I picture it in my mind like this. Every day, Enoch would take a walk with God. And they would talk. And they would talk about heaven. And they would talk about the stars. They would talk about creation. They would talk about sin. They would talk about sacrifice. They would talk about love. They would talk about food. They would talk about joy. I believe that Enoch and God were intimate together. Amen. They talked about everything. Every night... At the end of their walk, they would walk to Enoch's house. And God would tuck him in and say, I'll see you in the morning. Enoch would say, you bet. One day, after their walk, God said, Enoch, we're not going to your house tonight. We're not? Where are we going? We're going to my house. I want you to come with me. Enoch said, no, I don't think so. I don't think he said that either, brother. I bet he was ready. What happened to Enoch during his life of walking with God? He grew in every aspect into Christ. He grew in every aspect of his life into God. That is walking with God. That's how you grow are you walking with God today? Or has the world superseded and overpowered your walk and your desires and your goals and your dreams? Instead of the kingdom of God being important to you, now it is secondary. 
Walk with God. Love Him. Trust Him. You say, Brother Clay, that's beyond me to be able to walk with God like that. Is it beyond you to trust Him? I dare say no. Is it beyond you to love Him? No. Is it beyond you to walk with Him? No. In fact, the Bible commands us that we trust Him. It commands us that we love Him. It commands us that we walk with Him. It is His right to make that commandment. Amen? He's God, we're the creation. He has every right to command me in this way. It is my obligation to obey. I want to grow in Christ, then obey Christ. Walk with Him. Trust Him. Love Him. This is how you react in a sinful world. Brother, we know it's close. The world can't get much worse. Oh, I believe it could. I'm optimistic that He would come before it does. Okay? I'm not optimistic that the world will get better. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we are in a downward spiral right now, and we are going faster and faster into destruction. Amen. Right? Who will be saved? Jesus said it like this. He who endures to the end. Amen. Endure, brother, in these days. How? By loving, trusting, and walking with Him. And by speaking the truth in love. One more point I want to show you. It's in verse 16. How do we react in this world? We grow as each member does its part. Look in verse 16. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. According to the proper working of each individual part. Do you get that? The body has many parts. We are a body here in this group. Christ is our head. and We are the body. It requires the work of each individual part. Let me ask you a very personal question right now. What is your ministry? Not as a church, as an individual. What is your ministry? What are you personally doing for the kingdom of God right now in your life? You say, well, I, I really don't have one. You better get one. Amen. You better find one. You better develop one. Some of you have quit your ministry. Some of you have laid it aside. It's time to take that back up. It's time to keep moving so that this church would grow for the glory of God. Amen. Right? That's why we do it. I'm not serving children in the children's ministry. I'm serving my Lord. I'm not serving adults in the adult ministry. I'm serving my Lord. I don't drive a bus to pick up kids. I'm serving my Lord. I don't mow the grass and pick the weeds. I'm serving my Lord. What is your ministry? Every joint, every part, working properly together, builds up the body in love. 
What can I do in a reckless age that I'm living in and finding myself involved in? I can work. I can serve. I can do. I can go. Christ supplies the energy and power for every member of every part for each body. Notice it's the proper working of each individual part. It's not the intent of each individual part. It's not the idea of each individual part. It's the working of each individual part. We are new creations. His Holy Spirit indwells you. You are an adopted son and daughter. He works in believers for His good pleasure. Therefore, each part must work. We must pray for one another. We must give love to each other. We must carry each other's burdens. We must encourage one another. We must counsel one another. And as we do these things, we grow into Him. And each part begins to mature. When you mature as a Christian, you're not maturing to do less in the church. You're actually equipped to do more in the church. Amen? I know sometimes we use the excuse of, I'm too old. Uh uh. You're too wise. You're too knowledgeable to sit on the sidelines. You're too mature to stand by and let the younger generation attempt it. Get involved. Get with them. Motivate yourself to serve Him. You're not serving Brother Clay. You're not serving Aaron Springs Baptist Church. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't sit on the sidelines. Each individual part working properly builds the church in love. Man, how can we make it more plain than that? Some have quit. Some have their hearts cluttered with other things. Our text clearly reveals to us that each member of Christ and his body has received grace. Grace to do what? To speak the truth. To do so with love. To work in his body because he is the head. Let me ask you again, what is your ministry in this body? Is it to come on Sunday morning for an hour and go home? Is that your service? No, that's a worship time. That's a gathering to worship. There's really no service going on in here. This we can accredit it to Russell, running the sound booth, okay? He's serving the Lord in that way, right? But there are avenues that all of us, you're going to come to me maybe in the near future and say, well, what do you want me to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? What do you want to start? What do you want to be involved in? And then go do it. Accomplish it. Don't stand by and wait for somebody to come and call you. You jump out and you begin to serve. And when you do that, you will find that this chaotic world suddenly becomes peaceful and beautiful in your life and in the lives of the brothers and sisters, what in the world has become more important to you than serving in your Lord's kingdom? Serve Him. Serve Him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for Your Word today. 
And Lord, I pray that you help all of us to find an avenue of service in your kingdom and that you would bless each one with the strength and the energy to accomplish it. Let us sit back and watch you work, God, and let us see you accomplish great things. Let us see your arm of salvation and your hand of mercy. And let us see it reach out into our community. And let us become alive again, Lord. And let us be thrilled at what you're doing. And let us see it and be involved in it. Let us speak about it. Let people hear what's happening at Aaron Springs Baptist Church. Let things be renewed. Let us come together again without fear. Let us hold your hand. Let us walk with you. Let us trust you, God. Prepare us for home. Father, work us to the bone. Let us be tired because of you. Let us be worn out spiritually. And let your name be lifted high. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.